And now it's my privilege to introduce Jonathan Bamford. Uh, Jonathan and his wife Heidi have been working with New Tribes Missions for a long time now. And uh, some of you know Jonathan and Heidi, and uh, they have been working with a tribal people in sharing the good news of Jesus with them and um, helping establish a church and translating the Bible into their language. And it's been a great privilege to be a part of their team. And uh, so Jonathan's going to speak from God's Word and give us some information about what God's doing in and through them. So, Jonathan, welcome. Glad you could Thank be you here. very much. Good to be here this morning. Uh, very excited to have a chance to be back at Philida again. You know, the last time we were here, we were down in the gym and we had uh, the Philippine dancing with the bamboo sticks and things like that. But So, it's always exciting to come here and, and see our friends and meet the new folks that are here. So, we were here in 89 to 91 before we left for the mission field. So it's been a few years. We used to come and plug our son into nursery, but uh, now he's off and he's actually running a children's church down in Idaho. So things move on, times change. But anyway, we're happy to be here this morning and have an opportunity to share from God's word and give you an update about our ministry. Uh, The reason we're back in the United States this time is because our youngest son, Thomas, graduated from high school in Manila, from Faith Academy, and we came back this summer to get him plugged into the United States, get a bank account, driver's license, and then send him off to college, which we have accomplished last week. Yay! Yes. So he is now happily installed in, at Liberty University over in Virginia. So, yes, yeah, so we're, we're excited about that. Uh, we also, this summer, had time to uh, see our son Charles that lives in Idaho, and we had our, Carrie, our daughter, Carrie, who's with us in the back there. She spent the summer with us, too. So that was a, a real treat for us. And then our son, James, had a three-week leave from the Army, and uh, that was great. We got to spend a lot of time with him. And he's now in Texas, but soon to be on his way to Qatar. So that's a little family, family update. Uh, in two weeks, or actually two weeks and one day, Heidi and I are departing for the Philippines, Lord willing. And we are planning to move back to the village of Maragat and continue discipling the Isnig church there and with working with Bible translation and community development. So uh, we're pretty excited. That's coming up very quick. Um, this summer, we ha- uh, this October, I should say, we have another exciting development. We have a young family that's going to move out to the village and join us, the Maynard family. So uh, Heidi and I are downsizing into a smaller house in the village, and the Maynards are going to take over our house and uh, learn the language and start ministering to the Isnig. So that's, that's what's happening in, in the village. Now this morning, I'd like to take a few minutes to talk about, um, you know, when we come back to the United States, we often learn new things. And this morning, I want to talk about DIY. Now, maybe that's not new to you, but DIY, is, I found, is a pretty fascinating thing. It, of course, you know it means do it yourself, right? Do it yourself. So uh, it's amazing what you can do yourself, and there's all kinds of things out there. For example, when we moved into this house we're staying in the summer, we had to install a door lock, and uh, for some reason, one of the tumblers was one way and one was the other way. So we wanted to roll the tumbler over so the key would go the same way, and so we were prying on the lock with a screwdriver and trying to, you know, just on the edge of ruining it, and then we had this idea, let's look on YouTube. And in no time at all, we had 
we had fixed it. Now, I'd like to say that do-it-yourself can save you time and money, but probably it won't save you time or money, but at least <laughs> it gives you an opportunity to buy some new tools, which, which is a very, for you, know, you guys, you know how important that, that is. Now, the instinct people, they are really into do-it-yourself. Uh, they are amazing. And um, I am always questioning them. What, what, are you guys, you know, what are you going to do with that or what are you going to do with that? For ex- a few examples, a guy uh, asked for a varnish can. I'd been varnishing. He said, can I have your varnish can? And I said, oh, what are you going to do with that? He said, well, I'm going to make a violin. Now, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I have to tell you, the end of the story was when he came back later, I said, well, how's your violin? He said, you know, it just doesn't sound that great. But, <laughs> but anyway, they, you know, they'll be picking up dead flashlight batteries. And you say, what are you going to do with that? Oh, we're going to make a chalk line. And... That's pretty, it's a great chalk line, and that is, it is better than a chalk chalk line. I'll tell you, that, that, that black paste in batteries, it's permanent. It's like a permanent mark. <laughs> or, you know, if you break a cooler, they'll say, oh, can I have the styrofoam? And they're going to, you say, what are you going to do with that? Oh, we're going to fix the roof. And they mix it with some gasoline, and it, make, it dissolves, and then when they put it on the roof, it hardens again, and it seals up the little hole in their rusty roof. And it's amazing. They are champions of do-it-yourself. And um, so there's this big connection between tools and do-it-yourself. And um, the Bible, of course, is the ultimate church planting tool, isn't, isn't it? In fact, it's like a multi-tool. Uh, it's, God's word says it's like a sword, and it's like a hammer, and it's like a light. And when God's word is clearly communicated, it impacts lives. So we are very blessed that uh, God has given us the opportunity to be involved in Bible teaching and Bible translation for the Southern Istinct people. And when, when the truth is revealed in a heart language of a people, it really changes lives. And uh, since we were here last, uh, we have been working on the book of Mark, and we finished that up, and it's ready to be published. So when we get back, we'll, we'll publish the book of Mark and start teaching through that. And then during the last year, we also worked on a rough draft of the book of Acts. So I'm in, I've got 22 chapters through the rough draft stage, so a few more chapters, and then we'll continue on from there. So we pray that God's word will be a tool that will impact the ISNIG and change lives there. So tools. Therefore, we're doing things with, like I said, and so there's a great connection between tools and DIY, right? Of course there's a big thing. So this morning... I thought it would be really fun to have a do-it-yourself here in church. And um, can't teach you how to do a chalk line or a violin or those kind of things. But I did think, you know, since it's Sunday, we should do something a little more spiritual. So this morning I'd like to teach you how you can measure spirituality. So very, very handy thing. Now this particular do-it-yourself is very economical. I'll show you. I brought the things here so you can see what you need. First of all, you need a, a paper bag. Most of you have those, but they're getting harder to find. We come back, and all of a sudden, they, they don't just hand these out anymore, but you can still get them. A tube of toothpaste, any, any brand will work, and, but Crest is really good. <laughs> and uh, then you can, you know, when you're not using it to measure spirituality, you can, you know, brush your teeth. And then a battery. So um, those things are very economical. You probably already have them. And I know you'd probably really like to see how this all works. But, uh, and I want to show you too, but I think 
um, you know, Pastor Scott was pretty explicit that we needed to do, you know, Bible first, and uh, the Bible is very important. And that's one of the neat things about Flida is the Bible is important. So we're just going to have to put this off to the side, and then if we have time at the end, then I'll I'll show you that. But I hope I hope we will. So this morning we want to talk about God's love, and uh, that's a great subject. And the word love has a lot of different meanings in English. And so this morning I want to especially talk about God's love being is kind. God, God is kind and his love is kind. It says in 1 John 3.16, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So he died in our place. That was kind. God's love is kind. It's very closely related to his mercy and his grace. So this morning, I want to study where this love comes from and what its characteristics are and then what it does in and through us. And finally, what is our responsibility? So we'll start with 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So that doesn't come as a big surprise. Uh, Love comes from God. It's one of his eternal attributes. It's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. God is love, and it's an attribute that flows from him to those that are born of him and know him. And as God's love fills a person, it overflows, and so that individual can't really take credit because it's really only reflected love, right? It didn't originate with him. For an example, uh, when we see the moon, uh, it seems to have its own light. But in reality, uh, the moon is only reflecting the light of the sun And in the same way, Christians should reflect the love that originates with God. And and Paul Paul recognized this when he wrote the Colossians. In, In Colossians 1, 3 and 4, he says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ and the love you have for the saints. So you see that when Paul heard about the Christians doing acts of love, he didn't just say to them, oh, thank you, that's great, I'm glad to see you doing that. But he also thanked God because he realized that God was the source of their love. And so when we see believers doing acts of kindness, we, we also thank God because we know that he is the source of that love. Even, uh, you know, we might be tempted to think when we see ourselves doing something kind that it comes from us, but that's not really true, is it? It's, it's, if we're doing something, it's only because God has loved us, and it's reflecting from us. It's not flowing from our own natural goodness. Our own natural abilities are quite different, but uh, when we have the privilege of loving other people, we are reflecting God's love. An example of reflected love is um, last year there was a church up in Olympia that had a vacation Bible school, and they donated funds to us to build a covered play area in the village, and uh, that was quite kind of them. So during this past year, another thing we did was work on building a covered play area, and we finished it up this last May. 
and uh, we presented it to the ISNIG. We had a dedication service in June, and the ISNIG were very excited to be given something so nice, and uh, they thanked they thanked us, and they thanked the church that sent the funds, but many of the ISNIGs saw beyond the people. Go ahead to the next slide there. They saw beyond the people, and they thanked God because they realized that all that giving wasn't just people giving, but God had motivated people to give. So they recognized, too, that love comes from God. And as the love that flows from God to his people and then in turn love others has special qualities, first of all, it isn't necessarily relationship-based. And a, a good example of this is the Good Samaritan story in the Bible. And the Good Samaritan came along and he found someone in need he didn't know that person, but he showed love to them anyway. And God's love is even greater than that because he loved those that were his enemies. And in Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now that shows us one of the very important qualities of God's love. It's not conditional. It isn't earned. You don't have to make yourself lovable before God will love you. God already loves you. So those of us that are believers and have God's love flowing into us and out of us, do we need to know someone or do we need to like the person before we can show love to them? No, we don't. It's absolutely... God's love is is non-conditional. So we also can love people non-conditionally. In um, Romans 5.8, we also saw another characteristic of God's love, and that is that it's sacrificial. Christ died for us. In Romans 13, we learn that love never fails. And um, how, do you, how can you say that in a different way? I was trying to think, how can you say that in another way? Love never fails. And I came up with um, the word durable. It's a God's love is durable. Well, what is durable love? What does that mean? And I have a, uh, an example here of some of that that I saw. This last March, uh, when we were in the village, um, you know, we, we went in and out of the village several times last year. And in March, we were there, and um, there was this lady, and that's her picture right there on the balcony with our partner, Vicki. And she had a malnourished baby. And uh, the baby wasn't too many weeks old, but it was already not doing very well. So Heidi and Vicky worked with this lady and tried to help her uh, with getting the baby fed. And, and it came down to, after a few days, they just came to realize that the baby could not tolerate its mother's milk for some reason or another. So the baby would die unless something happened, something, some outside help was available. Uh, so what do you do? Here, are, here you are off in the middle of the village, eight hours walk to the nearest road, and um, even getting to town wouldn't help the baby in this case. Uh, it needed soy formula, which is available in Manila. So we got on the radio and we ordered soy formula for Manila and someone out in town, um, we talked on the radio and then they emailed the request to Manila and somebody else went out and bought it, put it on an overnight bus, shipped it back to Tagigarao, uh, you know, 15-hour bus ride, and then it had a, hour, a half an hour helicopter ride. So by the time you get this formula to the baby, it's we're talking some pretty expensive formula. But, um, you know, that's, that's okay, right? Because with God's love, it's sacrificial. And so you have Christians sacrificing 
giving sacrificially. You have a baby that's gaining weight all of a sudden and doing well. So everything's good, right? That's the way it should be. Well, we left. We're gone a couple weeks. We came back. To, oh, I should also mention that our partner, Vicki, uh, didn't want the baby to get sick from, a, from the contamination in the baby bottles. So she set up a, a system where the clinic was involved and the lady would bring the bottles to the clinic every day and the clinic workers would sterilize them. And she had a whole process laid out and everybody agreed that they would follow, follow this procedure uh, for this baby that really needed to, everything done carefully. Well, when we got back in April, it didn't take us long to find out that the mother had lied to us concerning being willing to follow the, the procedures. And not only that, she had convinced our clinic workers to lie to us. And so it became a big um, you know, problem of sorting out relationships and trying to get the train back on the tracks. Uh, but So it was, it was not a fun process for us. But God's love is durable, right? And we wanted to keep feeding that baby. We didn't want, you know, we did, that's what we wanted to do. So we went through all that, got everything going again. Then we're out again. And then in June, back to the village again. When we got back to the village, um, Heidi and Vicky had calculated how much formula there was and how much the baby was likely to use every day. So they knew that when we got back, the baby would need another case of formula. So we had that with us. And when we got there, Guess what? The lady had decided to move to parts unknown. So no baby. Um, she had moved off. So the question is, what does durable love do? Would it say, well, my, look at hundreds of dollars, and here we are. We're never doing this again? Of course not. Durable love doesn't do that. And I was really pleased with Vicki and Heidi as they, they said, well, we'll just keep this formula because who knows when we'll have another baby that needs needs extra help with feeding. So in other words, even though it was a rough ride, we'll just do it again. So durable love doesn't depend on circumstances and it doesn't depend on outcome. It just keeps overflowing. And that's the kind of love God gives us. And that's the kind of love he expects to overflow from our lives. And it's very different from other kinds of love that are around. And, uh, you know, if you went to a shelf uh, store and, you know, when we go to the store here in, in the United States, we're pretty amazed at all the different things, all the different kinds of cereal, for example. There's many, many choices. You know, in the rice aisle, it's kind of scanty, but uh, <laughs> in the Philippines, we can pick what kind of rice we like, so uh, that's good. There's several kinds, but anyway, if, if love, if there were several kinds of love on a shelf, and you picked, you know, picked the box that said God's love on it, and you looked at it, you would see that it's unconditional, and you would read that it's sacrificial and never failing. It's even imported, right? In part, it comes from heaven. It's great stuff. But if you pick some of the other boxes that are locally manufactured love, which there are many, it would say things like, um, uh, loving you as much as you love me, even Stephen. Or love as long as I'm having a good time. Or love as long as you respect me, then I'll love you. But if not that, then, then don't forget the love thing. But... Those are all just natural kinds of love. Only God's love is, is supernatural, and it's unconditional and sacrificial and durable. So there's really no, no comparison. So we expect to see those same qualities flowing from believers to others. And it's been amazing to see the ISNIG, uh, how as they have heard the gospel and accepted it, and how they have started showing God's love to other people. 
and reflecting God's love. And before the gospel came to the Isneg, it wasn't like that. Um, in fact, there wasn't much love of any kind in the Isneg culture. You really had to earn your keep. Uh, for an example, if a woman was sick and couldn't take care of her child, her sister might take care of the child for her, but it wasn't out of love. She would do it because she didn't want other people to say bad things about her, or she would do it because it would put her ses- sister in debt to her, so that later on, if she want, wanted her garden weeded or wanted someone to pound her rice for her, she could say to her sister, you know, I took care of your child when you were sick, so you have to go weed my garden today. And the this, this sister would say, well, you know, I have my own garden to weed. didn't matter. She would force her to do it because it wasn't a, anything about love. It was all about power and forcing people to do bend to your will. So there wasn't any kindness. Everything had to be repaid. In fact, an, another example of that is when... When we have a funeral in the village, uh, we sit around for days and days, and, and it's quite a lengthy process, but it, eventually people start asking, uh, well, what do you, how, you know, do you guys do this in the States, sit around for three or four days, just sitting around um, as a group? And we say, no, it's quite different. And they start asking us, and, and we get to the point where we say, yeah, and then after the funeral, everybody in the church you know, brings food and gives it to the family that has lost a loved one so that the, the people that have traveled and all those people can have a meal together. And that just blows them away because their culture is exactly the opposite. Uh, when someone dies in your family, you have to feed everybody that comes. So, uh, you know, if you had a pig that gets butchered and all the rice you have for the year gets eaten up, and then after everybody's gone, you find out that your tools, you can't watch everything, so your tools are gone, some of your clothing is gone, people have stolen things from you, and so having a funeral is just a devastating experience. They come out just really not only having lost their loved one, but lo- losing all their possessions and their food and everything as well. So quite their culture was quite dark. There was not much love there. But then the gospel came, and as they learned about God's love and accepted it, um, it started flowing into them and then overflowing. And Gabino, here in the picture, is one of, one of our first believers in the village. And when we were there this past year, uh, showing up for the, at the different times, uh, sometimes we had visitors with us, and he would often show up with coconuts on our porch. And uh, you can imagine a you know, 70-year-old guy climbing coconut trees with a machete. And uh, it's a lot of work for him. You know, he's, he's not that healthy of a guy, but he would go out and do it, and he would show up on the porch with these coconuts, and we would say, oh, oh Gabino, you brought coconuts. And he would say, yes, these are for your visitors. And we'd, I'd say, oh, how much do they cost? That's the polite thing. That's the way it used to be. Everything was, you know, like, here, I brought you a gift. And the correct response was, how much do I need to pay for it? Okay? So uh, we'd say, Gabino, how much are the coconuts? And he would just throw his head, ah, oh, no, these aren't for sale. You can't buy these. These are a gift. I want to give these. And it was just amazing to see himself, beside himself with joy, to be able to give something to a visitor that was just going to go away. There's not going to be any repayment. And it's such a change from the way things were before. Another example is a, an instant guy here, um, this guy in the next picture's name is Prades, and he, um, I had had another guy, go ahead to the next slide. Another guy was there, and they often come and ask me to take their picture because they need it for an ID. So I'll take ID photos under the house. And um, so Prades wandered up with his grandchild and was watching this guy 
get his picture taken. Now, I have to tell you that in the Isna culture before, when we first moved there, men didn't take care of children very often. And when, like, Isning men were working on something and little, little kids would crowd in to see what was going on, the men would whip out a machete and say, I'm going to cut you and scare the children. And making children cry was, was just, they wanted to intimidate the children and keep them away. And that was, that was the culture of an Isning man. It's like, I don't have time for children, and if they get too close, I'm going to hit them or, you know, make them cry. So to see uh, Paredes show up here with a little child was one thing, but then the guy I was taking the picture of, he finished up, and he went over, and he started talking to the baby, and, you know, poking at the baby, and then he starts digging in his pocket, and he comes out with a piece of candy, and he gives it to the, the little boy there, and says, oh, look, at the little boy likes the candy. And I was just like, you know, that's not a big thing, but it is a big thing because it's the gospel-changing culture changing things. And uh, so it's just such a, a neat thing to see God's word changing people's lives. So, you know, if you think about it, testimonies, and, and you all have testimonies, but did you ever hear of someone say, you know, I used to be a drug dealer. I was the worst kind of drug dealer. I would steal to get, to get money and, and do all these wicked things. And then one day I heard about evolution and it changed my life. You know, do you ever hear that testimony? Or, or how about I used to beat my wife and I was a terrible father, beat my children, and then one day I heard about atheism and it changed my life. It just doesn't happen. It's not natural. God's love is not natural and it does things. And as it, it flows through believers, it changes them. In Romans 5.5 5 it says, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So we have a hope of being with God, don't we? We think about being in heaven and being with God. And we have the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. But it's, it's the love flowing through us from God that makes the relationship tangible. We can see it and feel it. It's, it verifies that our belief in God is not just something we made up because it's not natural. It's not something from this earth so when we see it and experience it, it's evidence that our hope is based on truth. So no wonder when Gabino would show up on the porch just radiant with his coconuts, um, it wasn't just you know, that he was giving a gift, but he was feeling in himself the love of God flowing through him, and he was feeling the proof that his belief in the living God was true. So it's a wonderful thing. And it's just like going back to the example of the moon, it's just like you can look at the moon's light and you can know that there is a sun. And in the same way, you can see God's love in your life or in the lives of others and you know that there is a God. In Romans 13.8, it says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. A couple other verses here. Make love your aim and do everything in love. So hopefully you get the idea here that reflected love is not optional. It's not an option for us as believers to say, well, you know, hmm, I don't feel like it today or I'm tired today, but it's, it's required. Make love your aim. Do everything in love. Not just some things, do everything in love. Now the Apostle Paul, he had a, he had a worry and he was concerned for the churches that he had planted and he wanted to know 
if their spiritual growth continued after he had moved on to preach in other areas. He wanted to know their spiritual condition. And the question was, how could he measure it? In 1 Thessalonians uh, 3, 5, and 6, it says this, For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts have been useless. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. Now, interestingly enough, Paul said the same thing to the Ephesians church and the church in Colossae, and even to the church at Galatia, he wrote, in Galatians 5, 6, he wrote, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. That's, that's it. That's, that's what counts, faith expressing itself in love. So that's it. Um, if you want to measure spirituality, you measure love. Love and spirituality have what they call a positive correlation, meaning if you start to grow spiritually, the more of God's love you're going to reflect. And the more of God's love that flows through you, the more you're going to grow spiritually. So it's like an upward spiral. So um, we do have time for the... This is pretty good because we do have time for this. So as we think about that, growing spiritually, we want to measure spirituality. We have... uh, these three things. I'll tell you a little bit about them first so you make sure you get the right kind if you're going to do this. Um, the first thing is a paper bag. And uh, you'll notice here that my paper bag is empty. So you can shake it and you can squeeze it, but nothing comes out. So that's, those are the important things of a paper bag. Now, toothpaste, on the other hand, is quite different. And, whoa. And... Uh, We'll open it up here, and you'll see that the toothpaste is, on the other hand, full. And uh, the amazing thing about toothpaste is even though you can see the toothpaste in there, when you turn it upside down, it doesn't come out. Now, isn't that amazing? Did you ever think of that? Why doesn't that come out? Now, you can get it out. You have to apply pressure, right? You have to squeeze it, and then the toothpaste comes out. I love profound truth. And then we have a battery. I'm a big fan of batteries. Our house in the village runs on batteries, so batteries are great. Bigger ones than these. I wanted to have a bigger battery this morning for an example, but, but Scott's car was locked. So <laughs> we'll have to go with the smaller battery. So um, batteries are, a charged battery is full of electricity. You can't see it, but it's, it's full of electricity. But um, you don't have to squeeze it. You don't have to to shake it or anything like that. All you have to do is give it an opportunity and the electricity comes out. It just flows out whenever it has touches anything that will conduct electricity. So that is the amazing thing about a battery. Now, how can we measure spirituality with, with these things? Well, it's like a gauge, okay? It's like a gauge. You can use them as a gauge or a meter. Some people are like paper bag. Their spirituality is like a paper bag. No love is flowing, and there's a reason for that. The reason is there's nothing inside. Okay? They, they have not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and they haven't been saved, so they don't have the Holy Spirit living in their life, and so there's no way they can reflect God's love. Now, um, that's not a hopeless situation, of course. If they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll be saved. The Holy Spirit will come and live in them, and then God's love will start to flow through them. 
And Jesus said an interesting thing. John 7, he said, John 7, he said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow out from him. Okay, so that's what we're talking about. Nobody needs to stay in this state, but many people are in this state, and it explains the way they act. Well, we have some Christians that are like a tube of toothpaste. You know, God's love is in there, but it just doesn't come out very easily. Not unless there's a bit of pressure applied. Sometimes a bit of pressure is applied and out comes a bit of uh, love, but uh, that's not the way it's supposed to be. But why, why might it be that way? Well, I think there's different reasons and could be that um, it used to flow out in a better manner, but maybe some hard times came along. Maybe they were not treated very well. And it just kind of hardened them up, dried them up a little bit inside. They got their eyes off the Lord. They got a little bit out of control of the Holy Spirit. And they just forgot that this isn't the way they're supposed to live. Or, yeah, just there's, uh, maybe they uh, work in a place and they're surrounded by people that are empty bags. And so they picked up the culture. They picked up the culture of the people they live with. And so they're, they're a Christian. They're not an empty bag, but they just don't let the love flow because of the culture they're in. Well, these people that are like this, this is kind of up on the gauge a little bit, but not doing very well. Uh, they need to get their eyes back on the Lord, right? They need to remember, well, that God is love and the, it's not their own resource that they're hoarding inside, but they need to let that flow and get back under the control of the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, some people are like batteries, aren't they? They remember that God's love is sacrificial and durable and uh, it's not their own. It's just flowing through them. It's reflected. So no matter what situation, if they're in traffic, God's love continues to flow. If, if the clerk at the store is grumpy and not treating them very well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't depend on situations. It depends on, it's just God's love flowing. So they continue to let God's flow, love flow through them. Or uh, maybe their children aren't acting very well that day. Uh, difficult day. But God's love just continues to flow because it's sacrificial and it's durable. So um, in this church here, we, I think Thessalonians 4, 9, and 10 would be a good verse because I see uh, the love that comes through this church among each other and then flowing out to the community through the different things you do to show God's love. It says in Thessalonians 4, 9, and 10, Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another or each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet, we urge you brothers to do so more and more. So that would be my encouragement to you this morning. Keep up the love. Keep letting that love flow like batteries. Thank you for being an example here in the community, a light. Thank you for loving us and the Isnig people. And I'd like to close by praying for you. And then after that, the, the worship team will come up. So Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this church, uh, for the love here among the brothers and sisters. Lord, for the love that they shine out into the community by helping those that, that desperately need you. And Lord, I pray that you will help them and strengthen them so that they can do it more and more. Open their eyes to each opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.